welcome back to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am your host, Danger, and joining me is my uh, my co-host in musical cohort, I guess. I don't know. Throw together words. Say hi, monster. What up, everybody? I've been called a cohort before. I like that. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm going to call you a cohort, not just a hort, because that just sounds weird. So. Mr. Hort to you. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I, uh, I will make sure I call you Mr. Hort from here forward. Thank you. So, Mr. Hort, <laughs> we are here to talk chronic future lines in my face. Now, yes. I had never even heard of this band before you brought this album to me. Never heard Most of them once. Time. Yeah, <laughs> no, they, they didn't have a whole lot of views or listens on, on Spotify, which, you know, not surprising. But sure. I'm a little surprised they didn't have more. So, tell me why yeah. you brought this album here, why you brought it to me, why you wanted me to hear this. So, Chronic Future, their album Lines in My Face came out June 22nd, 2004. I probably heard this 2004, which was my senior year of high school. I was definitely into the Warp Tour scene and a lot of those bands. And these guys actually played Warp Tour 2004. Mm -hmm. And I was one of probably 25 people in front of the stage having a good time. I knew a lot of the words. The singer hopped down and put his arm around me, and we kind of danced back and forth and rapped together a little bit. Which which singer? Because they have three. Right. So the the MC, the rapper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I go ahead and apologize. I I did have the Wikipedia pulled up. I've got their names, but I I honestly I'm not exactly sure which one is the vocalist. I think Mike. Mike, Mike Bus. Busey? Bus, Busey. Yeah. yeah, I think he is the, the rapper, but you're absolutely right. So there is three vocalists, and, and so I'll go ahead and kind of get into that real quick. I am a big fan of hybrid music. Mm -hmm. I've said a thousand times 311 is my favorite band. I love bands that mix genres, and these guys, especially in 2004, were doing something that, at least to my recollection, very few other artists were doing, which was mixing hip-hop and rap with pop-punk and emo. I mean, it was in the 70s when rap and rock and was starting to kind of, you know, mingle with one another. But this specific flavor of rap and this specific flavor of rock, I haven't really seen it, you know, hadn't really done before. However, in 2023... This seems to be kind of commonplace, which is one of the reasons I wanted to discuss this band and this record is because I find it fascinating. A band can get overlooked or passed over due to nothing other than timing. Yeah. Because I still, you know, when we discussed the Pulse Ultra record, I still personally believe part of the reason they fell apart was due to the 9-11 timing of when their record was released. And I feel for, like a for anybody who wants to know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Pulse Ultra episode because I didn't put all that together before you brought that up in the episode. And I thought it was a, a great you know realization of why the timing failed there. But I'm going to agree with you that I think timing is the cause for careers not moving forward. Because like right now, especially with TikTok and social media, there's been a huge uptick of, I've, I've seen some people call it emo rap where it's basically pop punk and emo artists doing rap or vice versa. You got a, a great example of that is Machine Gun Kelly, who basically just stopped rapping and started doing pop punk. Well, Chronic Future 
was blending all this together almost 20 years ago. And in my humble opinion, doing it pretty damn well. So they did do it a little bit better than other groups, but this was something that we did see really in the, I would say like 97, 98 time. And it's a time that we've referenced before where you had people like uh, No Doubt and other groups similar to that, where they were mixing different genres. The These guys came along and just gave it a bit more of an emo metal guitar crunch and some pop punk, basically. And I am going to go ahead and say up front that I don't want to say that it didn't work. I don't think it worked all the time, but I do think that maybe timing was wrong on this. I'm going to go ahead and say that this album maybe should have come a little bit earlier because it could have grabbed some of the attention of what the uh, the No Doubts and 311s and such were doing more during that time. And I think it could have caught the ear of people that liked that then. Maybe give it another yep. little resurgence. So uh, a little history in the band. They actually formed in like 95 when they were all like 13, 14 years old. And if you go to Spotify, that record that they released in 95 is on there. And I'm on Spotify like, right now, so I'm going to go look it up. What was uh, the name of the, the album? It, it might have just been called Chronic Future. It might have just Fair. been self uh, 96. Oh, yep. 96. Chronic Future. But it sounds like 14 and 15-year-olds yelling and screaming and just doing their best. It sounds like my bands when I was 14 and 15 years old. And it's, I mean, it's not good. But at the same time, they're just kids trying to figure it out. So yeah. for what it is, it's fine. So then they did another album in 2000 that sounds just spot on with 311, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers. It just slots right on in there perfectly. But this album, 2004, they were signed to Interscope, which was No Doubt's label at the time. Yep. And... This is when they really honed that style, where they really brought the pop punk and the emo guitar and vocals mixed with the rap vocals. There was clean vocals mixed with the rap vocals on their, their earlier material as well, but not the nasally emo-y kind of vocals like you have here. So the emo that I got was really in the, I guess, the structure of some of those those parts of the songs, which really kind of pulled emo from like the uh i don't know i want to say like the late 90s early 2000s more of which would have made sense you know this being 2004 which means it's probably recorded 2002 2003 and right you know so it makes sense for that but some of the pop punk actually felt like it kind of was at this time and maybe a little bit later then which i thought was kind of a strange thing some yeah. of those pop punk grooves they put in were a little bit on time or a little bit early and it was it, it kind of the waters get a little muddied when you want to talk about timing of of you know what came first the chicken or the chicken and i i don't know i thought it was a strange little thing that they kind of threw in there and it was like oh yeah this reminds me of this and it was wait a second that album was three years after this album came out and so yeah. i i think they kind of pushed the envelope a little bit with that stuff which is cool in my opinion I think they really did. Like it's it's astonishing to me that and and there were some personal reasons. Like when I was doing a little research after this record came out, it did okay. It was on Bill, Billboard's Heat Seekers chart. They got their video on MTV and Fuse and all those places. 
there was a buzz. I mean, they were playing Warp Tour. They were they were doing okay. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, they left Interscope, and I haven't been able to really see a reason why. I don't know okay. if it was a contractual thing or a record sales thing. I don't think it was that. And then when they they released an EP shortly thereafter, five or six songs, and I listened to that too. It has elements of this. But they even wrote a statement to the fans saying, hey, not everybody's going to like this new direction we're going in. We hope you stick with us, blah, blah, blah. It's more, it, surprisingly, it's more experimental. It gets a little bit less emo rap and gets a little bit more 80s synth and stuff. And again, when, a little bit ahead of its time. When did that know, come out? Just a couple years after this. I want to say so maybe the six eight, or seven. The 80s synth stuff didn't start you know, really making a resurgence in popular music until just a few years ago at best. Exactly. That's so again, they were just, it's a timing thing. Like I think these guys are stupid talented and I'm not, and I agree with you. I don't necessarily think their blend of rap and punk and emo works on every song, but I think it works the majority of the time. And it's surprising that more people don't remember this band because like I said, when I saw them in 2004, I, I there was not a huge crowd there, but I know I, I remember some people walking by and being like, what is this? And coming yeah. to hang out because it was like somehow these guys managed to like fit in perfectly with the warp tour vibe and also stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah. So was around, this time period when uh, Fred Durst had a little bit more to do with Interscope? I would think so because I know Significant Other was 1999. So Chocolate Starfish would have been like, oh, two, real early 2000s. Like maybe yeah. even, it was a pretty quick turnaround. And that album was huge. Yeah. So I would imagine that Fred was was kind of, had his fingers in some stuff around that point. So I'm going to just make a guess that uh, Fred probably made some cuts and it was probably a numbers thing, not necessarily what this band was doing. And that's, that's just my guess. I, you and, know, and you know, I've, I've been a Fred Durst apologist on this show and, a few uh, times. and, and I just, I can't imagine that he would hear this and not kind of get it. Well, I don't know. Cause it's got that sad boy part of it that he kind of likes. So I would, I would, he didn't like that until a few years later, a few yeah, albums later. So, he always liked it. He just didn't admit it until uh, a little bit late. This was when he was in his, he became the bully stage. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. And I want to think that it was probably more of a, uh, either cutting competition of anybody that mixes rap and rock stuff <laughs> that he was, cool wanted to do or it was a numbers thing i don't think that he heard this and th said these guys don't have it you know we're going to cut these guys from our lineup yeah. because there are parts on a lot of these songs that show they really have it and i personally i think that the part where they show they don't have it is they don't know how to end a song yeah i agree with you on that and before we get into the song by song just to give everybody kind of an idea uh, if you've never heard of this band or heard any of these songs, basically rap verse, pop punk chorus, and somewhere there's some like emo emotional screaming thrown in. Or, and, or it's reversed. It's a 
pop punk verse <laughs> and then rap chorus. Yeah. And but it, it's literally just those couple of elements just put in different positions, mm -hmm. which is, I think, why we both agree that some of it is really rad and really works. And then some of it feels a little bit janky and, and not yeah. necessarily super smooth. And I actually say some of this in my closing statement, but they don't need to mix those things all the time. It's almost like they would write a song and go, okay, what are each of us going to do? <laughs> we yeah, all so, have to have okay. a part. And that was the other part is uh, you mentioned it earlier. There are technically three vocalists. There is yeah. the, I guess, quote unquote, lead vocalist, the rap vocalist. Then you have the clean singer and then you have the screamer. So you're exactly right. I don't know if there's a song where all three of them are not doing vocals at some point. Right. And to your point, 311, two vocalists. There are plenty of songs in their catalog where only one guy sings on the song. Yep. That's it, it that's okay, especially in a situation like this where, you know, the the rapper maybe he doesn't play an instrument. I, I, he didn't play According according to their Wikipedia, he does not. He and and I'm going to say okay. that he's the rapper because he's the only one that doesn't play an instrument. The other two oh play guitar yes one guy plays bass one guy plays guitar and yeah I exactly like there's no reason the guy the guitar player who screams couldn't just play guitar for the song or the bass player who sings there's no clean vocals on that song like they could have mixed it up a little bit like that but they never really do uh no but somehow in in a weird sort of way the album manages to be repetitive yes and not all at the same time it and i think for me this was like the first few tracks were were good were, were something that stuck out to me i think it's because it was like hey it's on now we're gonna listen to it and then the end was was good was you know it was fine and the middle kind of had parts of pieces if that makes sense it's like not an entire song I felt like was good all the way through. I felt like it had just chunks that were solid. This is one that I have listened to. I mean, I got it in 2004. I mean, I've been listening to it off and on for 20 years. Yeah. And there are songs, uh, as many times as I've gone back and revisited it, I still, I really like the first half more than the back half. Yes. I think I, it's always one of those things where I turn it on and I'm having a really, really good time. And then about seven, eight songs into it, I'm like, oh yeah, kind of starts to starts to out out stay its welcome. A yeah, little bit. that's that's fair. It's almost like this should have been released as an EP, <laughs> which is interesting because that's what so they what did. they did. Yeah, so they released the uh, the lines in my face EP, which had like four songs, five songs on it, and then the album. A couple months later and then their next outing their independent release after this was also an ep of just like five or six songs right which i feel like these guys are really good in about a 30 minute burst which yeah. is why they were so good live you know right and to go with why they were probably really good live is probably because they just had a great show you know they were probably i i feel like having the rapper able to move around and do a bunch of stuff probably was a lot of fun. And going back to the ending of things, I felt like a lot of these songs ended the way they would end a song live instead of on a record. 
Yeah, and and we'll get into that as we get into the song by song a little bit. But yeah, like there's definitely times where the song ends and then something else starts for sometimes 15, 20 seconds, sometimes like a minute. And you're just like, this isn't necessary. And it somewhat kills the momentum. Mm -hmm. Yep, agreed. So let's go ahead and jump into the first song. Time and time again. Now, this song was used in the Burnout 3 soundtrack, in the MVP Baseball 2004, and they performed at G4's uh Gaforia, I think I don't, I've never even heard of this this watched, thing so uh, yeah I watched some of their live performances and again I did see them live in 2004 but then watching their you know them performing this song live this is this is a good song this was the only the one they had a video for makes sense that this would be a single I think it's catchy it gives you everything that you will come to expect from this band as far as the rap verses, the pop punk chorus, the little screamy parts here or there. The video kind of rides that anti George W. Bush thing that was real popular in 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. I love this song. This, this is definitely what I heard that made me buy the album that made me go see him at Warped Tour. And yeah, I, I, I think this is a great song. So this is a good song. It's a fun song. It's a happy tune. You know, it's, it's a fun summertime song, but with the punch that a lot of the album is, I do not think that this album punches enough to be the intro to the album. I actually think a different song should be the intro. I don't, I'm not going to pick apart the track listing and say we're going to switch around, but I'm not going to say that this is a good opening track. This song does not set me up for parts of the album. I mean, this song doesn't give me the... Uh, peppering of heaviness that comes at different points in this album. You know, it, it gives me happy beach hip hop vibes and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, this song works. It's, it's a good, fun, fine song. Yeah. But like we just said, I mean, is that happy time beach vibes, not what you get from the first 20 to 30 minutes of this record? Not entirely. Not okay. entirely. Now I will say there are parts where the lyrics kind of go off the not off the rails necessarily but the lyrical content and the music doesn't always match up and in fact there's a couple songs we'll get to later where the rap vocal like the subject matter mixed with his inflection sort of comes across awkwardly a little bit which i will uh, say this for the uh, the hip-hop parts his lyrics are on point like lyrically yes. he's he's on point you know there is a few parts where he did kind of throw something in that didn't quite fit in for me and it stuck yeah. out and that kind of threw off, you know, the feeling that I had with it, but his lyrics are, are on point. They're good. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with them. So what I will say is I think his tone of voice is a little bit nasally. It reminds me, okay, first of all, he looks like a mix between Bradley Cooper and Lil Dicky. Okay. And his tone of voice Bradley is Dickey, almost, gotcha. 
is almost a mix of Bradley Cooper and Lil Dicky. Like it's, it's I actually heard Macklemore. A little Eminem. Uh, okay, Macklemore. Yeah. yeah, I I I got a little Eminem back in the day, kind of his, you know, Slim Shady LP era. His was a bit more uh, Eminem's was a bit more naslier and high pitched and yeah. goofy. So, I don't know. But, I just got pure white boy rapper vibes from this guy. Yeah, but he does have a good flow. It's yeah, it's quick yeah. and it's precise and it definitely has a good rhythm to it. Uh I, I don't know. I think this is actually a really good opener. Like I think this this is a, a great way to kick off the record. It's not as heavy as some of the other songs, but I think that was smart to lead with something a little bit poppier to try to pull people in. And then when you get to the next song, track two, World Keeps Spinning. They kind of keep with that kind of poppy vibe. Okay, so I want to I want to talk about that that uh, name here for a second because when I looked it up online and on uh, on Spotify, it was no. "World Keeps Spinning" and in quotations, "A Chronic Future." I just I didn't want to say it. I, I don't like that. Yeah, but I did. <laughs> I did. So we're gonna talk about it. Why do they feel they needed to put their name? in a song title. I mean, I understand Bad Company had a song called Bad Company, but you know, I always just think it's I think yeah, it's Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I like the song a lot even if I don't particularly love the title. <laughs> yeah. So, his flow is really good here and yeah. it's almost like his flow like stays with the drums. Like right in, right in with it, which I thought was a really interesting thing, because like when the drums changed, he changed, and I liked that. It was good. The, yeah, it, they flirt with reggae a little bit. There's oh. one or two songs they really like. Oh, it's, you know, yeah, no, there's a few songs that it's like it's. it's just, they lock into it. Yeah, but it's this just one, a damn reggae one of those, song. Yeah, but this one is one that kind of flirts with it. Like yeah. it almost has like that more of that dance hall kind of South Jamaican vibe more than straight reggae. Until you get to uh, the also, chorus. Which is a big pop punk chorus. Which well, is <laughs> Well, I uh, I felt like the the chorus reminds me of like early Jimmy World like uh clarity yeah. and all but angrier. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I like this one. I do. I yeah. I also really like the intro it has a little bit of percussion and synth to it. That is not in the first song. Just kind of, you know, piggybacking off the vibe of the first song while adding just a couple new little elements to it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the intro really brought it down a little bit, especially after the the uh, the beachy fun vibes of the first song. And yeah. then it and then it picked right back up, which I thought was a good move. You know, to to have a band that doesn't know how to end a song, they know how to start a song for sure. And <laughs> agreed, agreed. I mean, the intros on this album on almost every song are on point, and I like yeah. it. You know, there's one song I can't remember which one it is. 
Uh, I think I made a note about it, but it's like he they put like for the first like thirty seconds. Uh, what's the old record player with the big horn that comes out of it? Uh, Vitrola. Yeah, yeah. It has it. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure that's New York, New York, where it has like it sounds very old, right? Like right before the music really kicks in. Yeah, I think you're right. And so, like, uh, and and the thing about it is the first song. While again, it's a fine song, it's a good song. It didn't give me an intro. It didn't give me anything that this song gave me. And I feel like this song gave me every part of what this band's talent lies in. This song and the next song, I thought were great. I, I liked both of them. But it's like, you know, this one, when that chorus kicked in, it was like, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm, I'm feeling it. Because I love that that early emo mm-hmm. stuff. So, track three, Shell Shocked. We've talked about this on previous episodes where we talk about track listings and kind of where the important songs on your album go. And I think that for a lot of bands, the first couple songs draw you in, and then track three is sort of single territory. This is, okay, you bought the album. We hit you with a couple of our favorite songs at the front. Here's the one you bought the album for. And Shell Shock to me, does have a very radio vibe to it. This is the first song on the record that starts with singing instead of rapping, and it's a much slower-tempoed song at the front. And this is another one of those that just slots perfectly with that 2003, 2004 emo pop punk scene. This is another one. I think it's a great song. This is a good song. This is a really like the verse on this is a really good Blink-182 song. Yep, yep. This sounded just like Blink-182 from about two years later. Um, yep. And then uh, the last minute, uh, you're right. It was a great radio song, especially a great Radiohead song, because <laughs> that last minute just... It would have been fine if it ended at uh, 3.35. Here's 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 my notes. Praise, praise, praise. I love this song. I think it's really good. One of my favorites on the record. However, this is the first song that does the thing I don't care for on this album. After the song is over, it does 30 to 60 seconds of something else. In this case, it at least plays on the melody of the song that bleeds into next. But in other cases on this album, it just goes into something random and it never really works for me. But it, it doesn't bleed into it enough. And no, it doesn't. It, it just, it kind of sets you up for it. But it doesn't, like, flow into it. And yeah. I actually have my Spotify set to where uh, songs will cross over by, like, two or three seconds. And uh-huh. when songs merge together, like, the song ends well, and it goes into the next song, 
this one didn't do it. It was very clearly like, okay, we're done with this one. Let's play another one. And and, and that's what they should have done. They, they should have just been like, we're done. Three thirty-five is a perfectly fine length for a song. Then four thirty-five. It's literally a full minute of the other stuff. Yeah, they didn't need to. So yeah, I agree with you. This this is one of my favorites on the record until it gets to that part. And I will say. 90% of the time when I listen to this album and I'm going through these songs, that's exactly what I do. I The song ends and I know all that other stuff is coming and I just hit skip and go to the next song. In which, in this case, the next song, Stop Pretending. My biggest fear in life is that the universe works. I guess to be blessed we have to be cursed first. Well, I'll be just waiting on honesty hurts worse and arguing over how much the dirt... Another one of my favorites on the record. This, this one, one, this was another banger on the album, and you know this this song wants to be late '90s emo. Yeah, it, it wants to. His rapping wasn't like I don't want to say it's overbearing in a lot of places, but in a lot of times it's just not needed. And here I felt like it was fine. It's not a rhythm to rap to, but it works somehow. You know. Yeah. See, it, that's the that's the moments on this album that I think really shine is in moments like that where. It doesn't feel like it should work, but they're so damn good that they make it work. And that's those are the shining moments on this album. And I agree. I think the verses on this song are like the chorus is cool. The bridge is cool. It gets a little funky, but the verses are where the song really shines for me. Yeah. And but the thing about it is like sometimes it's the verse, sometimes it's the chorus, but it's very right. rarely ever both on this album. Right, right. I, I think a lot of times you find that the verses are so strong that when the chorus kicks in, you, especially like on this song, he's rapping the verses. It's kind of a mid-tempo kind of bop back and forth. You know what the chorus is going to be before it comes on. And then when it comes on, it's serviceable. It's not, it's not over-the-top catchy. It's not incredibly earwormy. It's just a pop-punk chorus. And because you've had three songs before it that do this, you know it's coming. It's good. It's not bad. But it, it doesn't necessarily like grab your attention. It's just another pop-punk chorus. Right. And the chorus becomes just pop-punk party music. Yeah. And then it's almost like they were having so much party, they had more party left, but they had the time to fit it in. And so they crammed it all in really quick at the end. And it's like, now, you, you probably didn't need that the way it ended. And there's a few times here where they end with like a feedback or something. And that's fine yeah. to me when they they let a track kind of fade out like that. I have no problem with that at all. But they just it was like, okay, we're cool, we're having a good time. Okay, and it just it's all just crammed in, and it's like I don't I, that made my ADD hurt. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of the song just ends. I don't like it yeah. when there's that feedback sustained forever. I don't like it when a song fades out. I'm just like, stop the song. Just it's you, you did your verse chorus, first chorus, bridge chorus. You're done. Like, 
we're done. But I remember recording a record uh, actually kind of around this time where the producer was very much like at the end of every song, he would literally yell into the booth, sustain, sustain. And we would just like stand there holding our guitar like on the last chord. But see, you God. don't need that on every song because, it, you know, on one or two here or there, or whatever, fine. But you don't need it on every song because then every song sounds the same in a way. Yeah, that's that's a problem. So before we go to the next song, I just want to point out one of my favorite lyrics on this entire album is in this song. And I also think this lyric kind of really sums up the way he raps, the kind of rhythm and cadence that he puts out there. I love the line where he says, so whoever you share your life with, whether it be your lover, parent, grandparent, sister, or brother, let them know to make sure they knew that they were appreciated for taking on the challenge of you. So whoever you share life with, whether it be your lover, parent, grandparent, sister, or brother, let them know to make sure they knew that they were appreciated for taking on the challenge of you. I just... I love that. Like, mm -hmm. I love, again, you know, the 311 thing. I like positivity in my music. I like upbeat lyrics like that. And so the music and the lyrics on this one just work for me. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed his words on this one. And uh, pretty much every song. His, yeah, the lyrics are good. The lyrics this. were good. Now, I don't think the way the lyrics were delivered was always a great thing. Yeah, there's a couple spots. We'll get there. Yeah, but I... I, I thought that, you know, you could tell that he was, you know, thoughtful and he put heart into what he was writing out. And so I appreciate that. So the next song, track five, New York, New York. Recruit become the best in finding that she stepped on everyone and no one's left. New York is far away, but I can't wait even for one more day. They said these things come and these things go, but it's out of trial. I mean maybe my favorite song on the album this I, this in my opinion should have been swapped with number one and i'll explain because i feel like this is yeah. probably the strongest track on the album i yeah. like it and this track actually gave me a better idea of what this band is and that number one should have been after party music course and yeah but this is such a um Okay, so the music is a little bit less party vibe. The it's more of a minor key, less of the major, and that little tinkering piano line. There's not a whole lot of that on this album, and lyrically, subject matter. This is a very specific kind of song. I I just don't know about it being the lead off track on the album, but I agree with you that it's probably the the strongest on the album. Yes. I guess I want it to be the opener for this album because I think it was the strongest point on it. But I also think to put, you know, a strong song that is less party music up front is going to set people up for what they're getting, just like RPM did on Floored. Yeah, but I think overall... Well, and see, that's tricky because I really do feel like this is almost an album of two halves. And we'll get to that switch here in a minute but i feel like especially in the first five or six songs that summer party vibe is the bulk of the vibe and even though there is more of this to come i don't know like i again maybe it's just the 311 guy in me but like i like that you know leading off with more of that vibe but i think we both agree 
God, this is a good song. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I think would have made it work as number one is it's a really good trick. And with number two, we had that angrier chorus, which I yeah. felt like would have paired well with this track. And, you know, I think that a lot of times albums have tracks that work in twos, you know, work together. And I felt like that first track, which um, I know it also made it onto One Tree Hill, which I feel like One Tree Hill is where songs go when they don't go elsewhere. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, just the WB picks up songs like WWE used to and uses them wherever they can. So pretty much. Yeah, I just feel like this would have been a better opener to the entire album because I feel like this song actually gave us more of what the band's sound, what they want it to be. Let's put it that way. Because I feel like the band's kind of half and half on what they want to be. They can't decide what they want to be. And so that's where they, we get the blender of uh, pop punk and hip hop and um, reggae. And I don't know the kitchen sink. First song, last song, middle of the album. I'm just glad it's here. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I know it exists because when I when I think back to this album, when I'm thinking, God, what do I want to listen to? Oh, I, I'll put on Chronic Future. This is one of the tracks that makes me go, yeah, that's a good idea. Honestly, the like I said, and we're going to get to where it splits here in a minute. I like this one a lot. And I agree. It's, it's heavier, which sort of makes sense to then go into track six. Thank you. Because I want What did you think of that one? I liked Thank You. And I I felt like Thank You was kind of a a slowdown on this where, you know, we have a ballad on other albums and all. I felt like Thank You was this album's, you know, slowdown. And I liked it. And it wasn't like, oh, this is a great one. I'm going to go back and listen to this again. It was like, it's a comfortable like. And... This is one of the places where his his lyrics really kind of kind of put things at ease, and then it jumps yeah. up at the end where "Thank You" needed to be said a little bit louder. And I think I think it works. You know, I felt like this one kind of maintained, but I also yeah. felt like this one kind of worked as almost a transition into the next half of the album, the next part of the album. Uh, yeah, and and I agree. I think it starts with a heavy riff. But then the verses are softer, and then the chorus is a little catchier. It's still emo pop punk, but it is a catchier one that's a little more gets stuck in your head. I think this is a really good song. has a little bit of a 311 vibe to it. I think it was smart to come out of New York, New York, which is, we didn't really talk about this, but the subject matter on that one's a little heavier. So I think it was good to come out of that with kind of just a poppy love song. I, I think that's a that was a good move. And then, yeah, this is about the part of the album where it starts to shift. Totally. Track seven. Yeah, memories in F minor. My senses always censor any awful images or sights, but I didn't get to see through the eyes as poor mother did. I just asked why she had to be the one to discover him. This is the song in particular where his rapping is on point, his lyrics are good. But because he has that nasally 
kind of fast talk and delivery. He's talking about his friend dying and Mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't, I don't know. Like, it's not that it doesn't come across as sincere. It just sounds a little wonky to me. So this was one that really jumped out to me as the meshing of the two where they're trying to mesh the two. It doesn't mesh well. And it's, it's a rap reggae song with a metal chorus. That's what it is. And this was one where they didn't need to put in both of them. This was one where it was, all right, guys, we're all going to have a part here. And it wasn't needed. It really shouldn't have happened. And, you know, the, the rap was fine. But yeah. at the same time, I felt like the reggae beat was a little too much in this one. It's almost yeah, like one, it beat me over the head with reggae. Yeah, this one is full on reggae verse. There's it's locked in on that backbeat. Then you're right, the chorus comes in and it feels a little bit more forced. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is you you almost wonder if they're sitting there in the studio going like, Okay, well, we switched it up to the reggae on the verse instead of just straight hip hop. But if we don't do the pop punk chorus here, it's 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 not going to be right. We have to put it in there. It's almost like they said, if we don't put the pop punk part in here, it's not a chronic future song. Right. And, and there is, and I will say coming up in a minute, there is a song or two coming up that I feel like could have been any emo pop punk band. There's nothing that really makes it stand out as a chronic future song. So I, I can see why they would want to make sure they have all their elements there. But when you've got a, you know, 11, 12, 13 track record, and you've got all these different songs, they don't all have to have every single piece to, right. to be cohesive. You've got people in your band for a reason. Yes, it probably because you guys all became friends as you know teenagers and all, but you all have different strengths. Allow certain places for the strengths to really shine and know when your strength needs to take a backseat. And so for me, as we talked about before, these guys are really good in about a 30 minute chunk. Yeah. So for me at this point, you're losing it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm starting to check out this. I, I think honestly, like as an EP, as a seven song EP, you, you get it. You've got some, some upbeat party vibes. You got some more serious stuff. You slow it down, you pick it up you got everything you need right there in those seven songs. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the album happens yep. and I don't, it's not that I hate it, but just the seven, the first seven I'm, I'm all in even, even memories in F minor. It's not my favorite, but it does some stuff that I like, but track eight wicked games. You haven't killed me. I am willing to persevere good this this might be my least favorite song on the album okay so i think i had something against this song before i even heard the song because you thought it was a chris isaac cover (laughs) i did i did and actually covers were the name of the game at this point on albums and i was like this is not chris isaac this is system of a down this is aerials that came out a few years ago
and and to be honest with you, as someone who's had to play that Chris Isaac song in bars uh, several times, I was thankful it wasn't a Chris Isaac <laughs> cover. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it's it's just this is to me could be anybody. There's nothing about this that says Chronic Future. They they kind of force this little rap thing in near the end that ruins the song. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't add to the song. It feels clunky. It feels forced. And I just, yeah. This this one really doesn't didn't work for me. It didn't work for me then. It doesn't work for me now. Yeah. So there are certain places where the hip hop really like fits in and elevates the song. And this one, you know, I've gotten through a good chunk of what I wanted to be Chris Isaac. And then I hear this rap part and I'm like, nah, we're done. This whole thing is over. Now this, yeah. this episode did make it onto uh, CSI Miami onto <sighs> the episode crime wave, which I can't tell you what happened in that, but this song is about as good as CSI <laughs> Miami's puns. <laughs> I, I hope they get, residual checks from that all the time i yeah. i hope that is each of them get the each of them get a check for 42 cents once a month oh that's that's being gracious <laughs> i hope you're right yeah i mean this track uh, the track was five minutes 11 seconds long i hope they don't get a check for five dollars 11 cents because it's not worth and, it and yet again it's it's the song itself is not that long it nope. ends and then there's all kinds of shenanigans at the end that are completely unnecessary. Yeah. But now this was a long, long time ago. When music was locked on the radio. Before my birth. I'm not that old. Pants have been at the pick of radio to be sold. I'm told. But at least in this case, the next song, track nine, static on the radio. is kind of a again it kind of slots better with the first four or five songs it's very summertime upbeat vibe about just being a kid listening to the radio finding songs that you love at least the end of the the previous song is like dials being turned on a radio station so it's a, at least a coherent thought even if it's completely unnecessary <laughs> yeah so there's where songs will lead into the next song and then there's where songs think about the next one yeah and and but, that last one did it yeah mm. but once it kicks in i like this one I, I think this is it reminds me more of the first half of the album and i like that i, I enjoy this one it's not it's not one of the best songs on the album it's still back half material but i still like it i i think it's a fine song so this song took about 40 seconds to build up and then yeah. and then it kind of it took about 40 seconds to build up into that chorus that is a really short chorus and then it crashes back down and it kind of has a, a a habit of doing that which is it, it's fine if you want to do your song that way i have no problem with it it didn't quite work for me though it and, reminds me of being in a jeep with the top down kind of bouncing up and down because you're going too fast and that's that's fair <laughs> i will say that this was a killer bridge in this song the bridge yeah yeah this yeah. was great so I want to know. 
don't necessarily feel like he was necessarily doing his hip-hop rap thing. I felt like he was more of just talking fast in this song. To, yeah, yeah. And in past, we've seen where like the music will ramp up to the to the words. And in this one, I feel like the words are ramping up to the music. And I thought that was an interesting thing, but yeah. it didn't feel right to me. Yeah, I, like I said, it, it has a lot of the elements of the first handful of songs that make me love this, you know, for the most part, love this record. But it, it does not stick the landing it does as well. And as some songs. And I don't think the the last part of the song where they are repeating the same line over and over again, I don't think that was needed. I think they could have repeated those about half as much. And the way, like the a, way the song ended musically was fine. But the lyrically, no. This could have been like a two minute and 48 second song. Like yeah, it could have been really tight, short song. Um, it didn't need to be 335. Nah. As it is, I like it. I don't love it. Track 10, Eyes Wide Open. I struggle with this one. What, what are your thoughts on this one? So... I just wrote down two things for this song. This track opens with proper distortion. Just it it hit and I was like, okay. It's got a cool that's, riff. Yep. And the hip hop fits here in the pop chorus, but this song did not jump out to me outside of, of those things. This was not one that I thought the the juxtaposition they tried to blender together so much worked on at all. You know, I, I felt like the hip hop fit in the pop chorus, but I don't really feel like it was necessary there. This is one that I almost forget about until I'm listening to it. When it kicks in, I like the riff. I like the mix of four on the floor, like punk beat with the rap vocals. Instead, and then when it kicks into the chorus, it goes halftime, which is more, you know, a hip hop beat with the pop punk singing on top of it. So they're trying to mix it up a little bit, yeah. uh, which is good at track 10 on your album. But yeah, it, it doesn't stick with you. The bridge gets a little moody and it's fine, but. With an over anxiousness to erase this, you must be courageous just to face what gives you knots in your stomach. And once you've done it, you're gonna love it. Getting up there and beating. Yeah, it, it's, it's always like, oh yeah, this song. I like this song. And just three, four minutes later, it's over. So I feel like eight and nine were probably filler on this album. And this song I felt like was one that they probably worked on quite a bit, yeah. but never quite got to a point to where they all felt good about it. They all felt fine with it. Well, and, and like I said, I don't, I don't love it or hate it. Track 11, apology for non-symmetry. It's a great title of a song. <laughs> it's it's either my least favorite or my second least favorite. I just 
this one does not work for me. There's it's it's all over the place. It do, it sounds messy. It doesn't the whoa whoa woes in the chorus sound off key to me for some reason. Yep. I I don't like this one. A little hip hop goes a long way on this one. It's it's yeah. overdone. The Hawk and a Loogie in the middle of his deal. No, it that really interrupted the the rhythm to me of what he yeah. was saying. And the entire song just stops at one point and it breaks the energy that was built by the song beforehand. And it comes back in, but it's like it's just been interrupted. And then God, I had actually forgot about this until I just looked at my notes. I saw your face like become stressed yeah. out. and I was reading my notes and then I remembered the most egregious offensive example of that nonsense at the end of the song that doesn't need to be there. This is like possibly the worst minute or so of the album for me. Yes. It's like this acoustic guitar with like mumbling that's not mixed well it's mm. it's not good lyrics i i don't understand why they would think to put this in here it is this land is a ghost with feet that have fallen asleep oh it's so bad like i i kind of forgot until i looked at my notes and i was like oh yeah that little musical interlude before the last song no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so here's my theory. That a lot of times record contracts will be signed as you have to put out this many albums, you know, for this amount of time. And I feel like for this record contract with Interscope, Interscope said, you have to put out a record contract, you have to put out an album. But it has to be this long. <laughs> and so they got there by adding in unnecessary parts at the end of songs because this was one that did not make me look forward to the next song. I was kind of like, all right, we are, we're still here. This is still playing and I'm not having fun anymore. Like this last half of the album has, exactly. has been a drag for a lot of it. There you're having so much fun in the first 25, 30 minutes that like, what is happening? Like the last 15, 20 minutes is like a different album, different band. It, it feels and, and I don't know if it's a if it's a track listing issue. Like, had you put, you know, one or two of these in the first three or four, and then you move some of those to the back, maybe it balances it out a little bit better. I don't know, but as is, it it's it's hard for me because I absolutely love the first half, and then the back half, like I'm trying to find things I like, but it's just. It just does not work so well for me. But see, you can't shuffle all the songs around because remember Wicked Games, the last part of it was the dials on a radio to lead oh, into my. static on the radio. You could also just take off Wicked Games and put 10 seconds of static at the front of the song for all I care. I mean, I'm I'm not mad, but then they can't fulfill that record contract that says your record needs to be this long. You know, like I said in the beginning, almost all these songs have spots of just great stuff in them and so, a few of these last ones we've talked about have had spots of great stuff in them but this one 
you know, it was any momentum yeah. the song had was broken by when the song just stopped. And and it was just before that was when he hawked the loogie and I'm like, what? Yeah. Not like it it really just threw the whole thing off to me. So, with all that being said, track twelve, say goodbye slash final ambiance like they actually announce hey we're going to do some wacky shit for five minutes at the end of this one the eighth and seventh night but that still didn't make me feel like the time was right to say goodbye say goodbye to you my friend so i actually have that there was in some places it was just listed as say goodbye and it was eight minutes, 21 seconds. But in other places it was listed as say goodbye slash final ambiance, which I am a fan of when any band puts the last song properly titled. Yes. I, I, I love that. I do. So honestly, I, whenever I picked this album to do, I kind of forgot that this song even existed because I rarely get this far into the album. That's fair. I, I, you know, but, so where I live is it takes about 30 minutes to get anywhere from where I live. Yeah. And the first 30 minutes of this record is just all bangers for me. So, Hey, by the time I'm getting back in the car from the grocery store <laughs> or wherever I went, I'm ready to put, listen to something else. Yeah. And I heard the best part of this album. So I kind of forgot about this song. I actually like this one. I think it slows it down enough to to be a closer, but it still has all the elements. They they don't feel forced. Matter of fact, uh, I, I kind of have in my notes here, the, the chorus is, is big and strong. And then when you get to the bridge, there's almost two bridges. One sounds like 311. <laughs> One sounds like Blink-182. No! And I like both of them. Like, I think this is a pretty cool song. And hey, at this point, if you want to do four, five, six minutes of just noise and whatever, hey, it's the last song. I don't have to listen to it if I don't want to. I don't care. That... They could have put all the little interludes right here in a 12-minute long section and just been done with it. So this is a decent closer. I don't think it's a great closer, but I think that this is a song that was like meant to be a closer for this album. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with this song. And this is where I got big Macklemore, you know, rapping vibes. And then the big emo chorus I was here for it was good. Yeah. I am not a fan of the rapper trying to sing rap, you know, which he does a bit in this, yeah. especially when you have three singers in the band already give one of those yeah. parts to somebody else. Now I couldn't pick it up in just through speakers and headphones. I heard that, you know, there were other voices happening there. And so maybe they were occupied and they wanted to add something else to it. I don't know, but they should have ended it at three fourteen. But they did do the weird uh, final ambiance, but they did also tell us they were going to do that. And so I'm more okay with it there.
and and when you are you know sitting back with headphones on you're driving in your car and you dropped your phone and you can't find it to change the song whatever it, it it's really egregious in the middle of the record when you're yes. like feeling the vibe and you're rolling through it's the last song it's a it's a moodier song you end it with sort of this you know um whatever like i don't i don't like it i don't care for it but if you're going to end it with all those sounds and that soundscape i don't mind it so much as the last thing you no. know and you know they could have done the old hidden track where it's all the songs of nothing for a while and then yeah. gave us this and i felt like that would have had the same impact as as Gosh. this it really didn't add anything to it. It didn't really take anything away because like you've said a bunch of times, it is the last track. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, overall, I would say that this album is fine. And I think it's really hurt by there's so much that just doesn't work within it. When I picked this album, I'm just being a hundred percent honest. Every time I think about this album, I think of, the first seven songs and i think of how much fun i had when i saw them live and i associate upbeat fun summertime party vibes with this album and then when i actually go back and really listen to it that's only about half of it right and so i think there is an incredible ahead of its time world beating ep on this album but as a whole, it starts to drag. It feels a little bit disjointed, and it doesn't always work as, as smoothly as I think they hoped it would. No, no, it, I, I don't think so. So do you want to give us your closing statement? Sure. So in today's musical climate where you have artists like Machine Gun Kelly and Kenny Hoopla and Youngblood going from rap to pop punk and back and forth, a band like Chronic Future makes way more sense than they probably did back in 2004. While bands have been mixing rock and metal with rap for a very long time, very rarely did you hear rap vocals mixed with emo and pop punk musical stylings. That is until very recently. Chronic Future had a unique sound that really made them stand out, and I hate that they didn't have a little more mainstream success. Their independent EP after this album had a similar vibe, but was more experimental and just didn't have anything as catchy or as memorable as the songs on Lines in My Face. I can't quite explain it, but I feel like this is a really cool record that slots in nicely with Warp Tour 2004, while also sticking out like a sore thumb. This is one I will continue to revisit over the years and continue to enjoy for its uniqueness and catchiness, even if I do prefer the first half leaps and bounds to the second half. One to ten, I give it a 6.5. Okay. All right. So I said, what happens when Homegrown has a love child with 311? It's named Chronic Future. It's good, but it's better background music. It's worth a pickup just for the sheer diversity on one album alone. Hip-hop fused with pop-punk and peppered with plenty of other influences. This group knows their lyrical content, and it can only be presented in this way. Sometimes pop-punk needs a little spot of rap and the other way around. I don't think the inclusion of all the sounds is bad, but is it always needed? Sometimes it's okay just to be one thing. 
I gave this album also a 6.5. Hey, yeah. okay. Is this the first time we've given something the same rating? It is. It is. So that that puts this album at a 6.5, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So we also gave Closure in Moscow a 6.5. And uh, it's just below Take It Back Sunday. We gave it a 6.65. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny because again, as I mentioned on the Taking Back Sunday episode, the reason I wanted to do this back to back is because I saw both of those bands on the same day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's funny. And I know that I was at that Warp tour, but I don't remember even seeing that Chronic Future was there. But that puts it this was, album at number seven, uh, so it is in our top ten. I don't know that it'll stay there. <laughs> it's probably not going to. Oh, yeah, and it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> No, no. I, again, there are certain parts of this album that I absolutely love. And I will go back and listen to this album time and time again. Time and time again <laughs> but uh, definitely more so the first half than the back half. So Yeah, yeah. So if I could get the back half of this album in, uh, I'm going to say 30 second increments. <laughs> I'm good with it. I will say that that is a really, you know, when you just hear like a snippet of like a verse into the chorus, you're like, damn, these dudes are wild. And then when you hear like the entire song, you're like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so when you originally brought this to me, what I did was I, you know, pulled the album up on Spotify and I went through and I just hit like spots of different songs. And yeah. so when I listened to it, I was like, this is an interesting pick. I think I'm going to really enjoy this. And I mean, it was much different when I started really breaking down the full album, but right. I mean, I, I liked it overall. So monster, what album are we talking about next week? So next week we will be checking out half moon run and their debut album from 2013 dark eyes. All right. Much, much like you in chronic future. I didn't even, I had no idea what to expect. Never even heard of this band before. That's fine. Most people haven't. So um, at least <laughs> most, most people in this area haven't. Let's put it that way. So You mean America? Actually, Spots of America have heard of Half Moon Run a lot more. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. And as you go about your day today, when you see people out on the street, you be sure to hand out those Cheerios. Bye.